stand with me for the reading of the Word? We're going to 2 Kings chapter 22 today. And we're going to go through the first 11 verses. Josiah was 8 years old when he became king. Speaking of kids. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. We just did that right there, right? And let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house to carpenters and builders and masons, to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king bringing the the king word saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. I'd like to preach a message today entitled, Break Curses, Release Blessings. Break the curse, release the blessing. That's what God wants to do today. Break the curse and release the blessing. Now, these, these words that I just spoke to you, break the curse, release the blessing. I'm talking about destructive patterns of behavior, curses, if you will, that show up in families that seem to be passed down from generation to generation. There are three reasons for this. Nature, nurture, and a spirit world that exploits both. But today, it's with confidence that I declare you don't have to be bound by your past or your family's past. Your future doesn't have to be cursed because of your yesterday, your sins, your shortcomings, or those of your family. As a matter of fact, only... Uh, not only can you change, but the the, uh, the the generations after you can be changed from curse to blessed. Amen? Lift your hands right now. Let's ask God to anoint. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would speak over our families today. Speak over our lives today. We ask that you would anoint and speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Reading, a boy became king at only eight years of age. Josiah assumed the throne of Judah. His father, Ammon, 
who was king before him, had been exceptionally wicked and was assassinated two years into his reign. His grandfather, Manasseh, who was king before Ammon, had been extraordinarily wicked. As a matter of fact, he was the most wicked king in all of Judah's history. Still, he reigned for over 50 years. Now, when I say Josiah's dad and granddad were wicked, that's an understatement. They were violent. They were brutal. They were perverse. The epitome of absolute evil. Manasseh was morally weak. He was greatly influenced by the audacious duo Ahab and Jezebel who reigned in the northern kingdom. Manasseh introduced the worship of Baal and Ashtoreth and Molech to a whole new generation of Israelites who were supposed to be worshiping Jehovah. Manasseh brought the phallic idols of Ashtoreth into the temple of the Lord. The record indicates that Manasseh brought in religious prostitutes who worked for Ashtoreth into the temple of Jehovah. It's unbelievable. And if that's not bad enough, Baal and Molech demanded child sacrifice to which Manasseh gladly complied. Roasting babies in the arms of red hot metal gods. All done while priests drummed on drums trying to drown out their cries. Manasseh even sacrificed one of his own sons to Molech. It's unbelievable. All of this while, like I said, he was supposed to be leading the children of Israel in worship to the Most High God. For over 50 years, Manasseh not only condoned, but he celebrated idolatry, murder, infanticide. It was horrible. It was horrific. And not only that, but he persecuted anyone who stood for righteousness, who stood for the Lord. History says he's the king that had the brilliant court preacher and prophet of the Most High, Isaiah, sawn in half, cut in two. That's Josiah's heritage. And Ammon, Josiah's dad, followed closely behind him, right in his dad's footsteps, pedal to the metal in the wrong direction, with no intention of turning around. Idolatry, murder, infanticide, adultery, fornication. That's Josiah's heritage. I'm talking about a pattern of behavior passed down from father to son, father to son, generation to generation. I'm talking about generational curses. And by all the indicators, Josiah was next. He should have carried on the family tradition, wickedness, murder, Lust, idolatry, the sacrificing of children, persecution of the prophets, the prophetic. He was next in line for this generational curse. It was being passed down to him. He did not ask for it, but that's not the way this works. He was just to receive it. It was coming for him whether he asked for it or not. It was what was expected for him, for Josiah. It was a certain consequence, an inevitable end, like father, like son. But Josiah reveals to us that whatever nature and nurture 
and the devil expects for you, there's a higher expectation. God has a higher expectation. And you can choose to align yourself with what everybody else expects or what God expects. Hey, Manasseh had plans for Josiah. Ammon had plans for Josiah. The devil had plans for Josiah. But God had plans for Josiah as well. Plans, thoughts that he thought towards him. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give him a future and a hope and another expected end. Manasseh, Ammon, and the devil were expecting the worst. But God was expecting the best. God was expecting peace. God was expecting no evil. God was expecting hope. God was expecting a future filled with faith. This is a a man born into a faithless family. And yet God expected him to have a future that was filled with faith. Let me just stop right here and tell you, everybody else may look at where you're at. They may look at your past, your family, your situation, and expect the worst. But I'm telling you, God looks at the same stuff and expects the very best. He says, I can work with that. I can turn the water into wine. I can turn your morning into dancing. I can move that mountain. I can turn your sorrow into joy. I can light a light in that dark place. Who cares what Manasseh and Ammon think? What? does God think I'm telling you God has plans for you that are different than the devil's plans for you now God expected his future to be filled with faith for two primary reasons and this really is the explanation right here if you look carefully at why we believe in teaching our kids and let me just stop here this is free it's not life's point life points responsibility first of all to teach your kids the Word of God. It starts in the home. It starts with a mom and a dad. Not only saying do this, but do as I do. Follow me. Let me model this for you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to model for you. I'm going to expect things out of you. I'm going to share with you the Word of God. That starts in the home. However, for Josiah, his dad was wicked. His granddad was wicked. There's two reasons God expected his future to be filled with faith. Number one, he started with the word that he had. In spite of the wickedness into which he was born, someone had gotten to Josiah. Perhaps it was his mother. Maybe that's why she is mentioned in this story. Her name was Jedidah. Young Josiah knew something about the Torah, the word. He didn't have all the answers. He wasn't a theologian. We'll see later. He got more word. But he knew enough. He knew the stories about God enough to have a little faith. And listen to this. To realize that there was another way to live and a better way to live and that he had a choice. Josiah knew enough of the word to realize I don't have to be like my dad and my grandpa. I can be different. I can change. Josiah's family had been traveling on the highway to hell for generations. But Josiah saw an exit ramp 
And he took that exit ramp. Listen, just because you've been on the same highway for generations doesn't mean you have to take it to its expected end. You don't have to stay on that highway. You're not stuck on that highway. The devil is a liar. There is an exit ramp, and his name is Jesus. He is... Uh, he is a deliverer. He can get you off of that road. He can take a terrorist like Saul and turn him into the great apostle Paul. He can take a cussing fisherman who doubted and turn him into the great apostle Peter who declared that this is not that what this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel on the day of Pentecost. He can take the very worst of us from the worst family and the worst circumstances and the worst past and wash us in His precious blood. You can exit the highway to hell and get on the king's highway. You can get off that life in the fast lane that's just full of all kind of trouble and you can get on the highway to holiness where God teaches you how to live your life. God can get you off of where you've been and put you on a new highway. Amen? But that's not all. God expected Josiah's future to be filled with faith because he would grow. Second reason. He would grow with the word that he would get. In other words, there was more word coming and he would receive it and he would grow by it. Eighteen years after he assumed the throne. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? 18 years after he assumed the throne, walking in the little word that he had, when Josiah was 26, he found the word in a deeper way than ever before. We read about it. He commissioned a group of people to make some renovations and fix the temple. And as they did, they discovered some of the scrolls of God's word that had been lost. The content of these scrolls had been unknown to Josiah prior to this time. We know this because when he heard the word from God in these scrolls, he was cut to the heart and it says he ripped his clothes, which was the way they expressed their grief. He he realized, I'm missing the mark on so many levels. And he tore his clothes and he was convicted. And although he was only 26 at the time, Josiah Josiah worked a great uh, work by implementing spiritual reforms because of the discovery of additional word. Listen to the summary of his reforms. It's in 2 Kings 23, 24, and 25. Moreover, Josiah put away those who consulted mediums and spiritists the household gods and idols, all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. So he's walking in the word that he had, but he still has these spiritists and these mediums. Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. Notice, he had been walking in what he had, but he still had glaring blind spots. But when the word revealed them, he immediately began to implement those reforms and change things. And it says that King Josiah turned to the Lord. He aligned himself 
with the word. He made the difficult adjustments. I've been wrong, y'all. I've been corrected and instructed by the word. And he adjusted. He fine-tuned his life. He had been generally going in the right direction. But now he fine-tunes it. He gets very specific about his direction. And it says there was no king like him before or after. We're talking about David and Solomon and Hezekiah. That demonstrates the power of the word of God when it's found and you implement it into your life and faith comes by hearing the word. When you quit by living by how you feel and when you quit living by your preferences personally and when you quit living by your five senses and your whims and your fears and you start living a life of faith By the word. You will break every generational curse. You will break free from your past. You will break free from the lies the devil has told you. God wants to do something great in your life. Regardless of where you come from. You have a God who is greater than your past. Come on, give him praise right now. Can you do it? I thank you, Jesus, that you know how to give us a hope. In a future, something greater than our past. One of my favorite preachers in all the world is a man named Wayne Huntley. He pastors in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's a great man of God. If you see him now, you would be impressed. He's dignified. He's an orator. He's a preacher. He's built a church, started a church, a church planter, a Bible study teacher. He's helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people God's done amazing things in his life, but he didn't start out that way. I know his story. He shares it sometimes. He came from a a, a home that that had a father who had a a massive drinking problem, who beat his mother and and threatened Wayne on a regular basis. Just an awful, awful uh, uh, childhood just raised in, in a messy situation. But as a kid, he saw the exit ramp and he decided, I don't have to be like my dad. I love my dad. I honor my dad. I respect my dad. But I don't have to live my life like that. I can live a life free and different and clean and holy. And he began to make adjustments. He began to make shifts. He exited off of, exited off of that highway and became a man of God. He pastors up there in Raleigh. His kids have powerful, powerful ministry. God can take you no matter what your circumstances are and give you a different outcome than what everybody would expect. If you were to meet Lloyd Squires 50 years ago, you would say there's no hope for this kid. Lloyd Squires is what we call the king's clown. He's embarrassing to hang out with because he's always the king's clown. He's been here before. He ministers to kids thousands and thousands of kids have been saved under his ministry. Lloyd is incredible. One of our Super Sundays, Lloyd came. He was Superman on one of our Super Sundays. Y'all remember that? It was wild and crazy. And he's wild and crazy. And he's humiliating, like I'm telling you. I've been in restaurants with him, and he's always the king's clown. I was in a restaurant with him. He started yelling out to everybody one day. He said, hey, hey, can I have your attention? And, uh, and I'm just like, oh, my Lord. And everybody looked at us, and he said, thank you. I like attention. I mean, that's Lloyd. 
He's just always. We took him over to Coffee Call, and, and he went crazy in the powdered sugar. You know, like, don't do that. He went crazy in the powdered sugar. Like, he's always the king's clown. But he has a ministry to kids on a, on a very deep, deep level. And one of the reasons why is because if you knew his childhood, you know why he cares about kids, especially suffering kids. He grew up in a home where his father beat him, beat his mom, locked him in the basement, wouldn't let him come out. He taught himself how to play the piano, and he's a phenomenal musician if you don't know it. He plays a harmonica, guitar, keys. He plays it all, but he taught himself in a basement in the dark when, because they locked him in the basement. Now, he'll play your harmonica with his nose, and that's when you just say, you can have it. Just go ahead and take my $50 harmonica. I don't want you playing it with your mouth, but, but with your nose, like, here you go, you can have it. Uh, but, but, he's incre- but he learned those things because of a terrible situation. He told me a, a story, I'll share it with you, about when his, he, he said, I remember the day, he said, uh, my dad had been incredibly violent, and he said, uh, he, he came, my, my dog, he said, I had one dog that was my friend. I loved this dog. I had no friends. My family didn't love me, but I had a dog that was my friend. My dog got excited he said, my dad came over and in front of me as a little boy killed my dog and walked away. And he said, I was devastated. I couldn't even speak. For he said, I remember when the guys in the white coats came and took my dad away. Just unbelievable stories. But somewhere down the line, that young man, Lloyd Squires, made a decision There's an exit ramp here. I don't have to stay on this same highway. I don't have to end up like my... Somebody needs to hear this preacher today. You don't have to end up like your people. You don't have to end up like your family. You don't have to end up like the way they expect you to end up. There is another path. I've got a God who has a path for you, a plan for you, ideas, thoughts for you, plans of hope and peace to give you a different ending to your story. He can give you a different ending to your story. And listen, it's beyond just the fact that you break those curses. When you start walking by faith, Not only do you break them, but you release generational blessings. You start releasing the blessing of the Lord that will touch the generations coming after you. If you're single, you have no kids, you need to hear what I'm saying. You reap what you sow. You need to begin to prepare yourself for the day that you can look at that kid of yours and say, you hear what I'm saying? Holiness is the right path. Don't make the wrong choices, son. But if you mess up, God can give you a redo. But you listen to me. You need to start preparing to release blessings on the generations coming after you. 17 years after Josiah died, a group of young lifers and hyphens Kids, 15 to 20 years old, some older, were able to stand alone on the word of God against the demands of a wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, in Babylon. They were far from home. They had no parental oversight. 
but they had learned to love the word of God that Josiah had learned to love and had taught. Their names, some of them, Daniel, who would not allow the king's decree of not praying to stop him from every day facing towards Jerusalem and bowing the knee and saying, Oh, most high God, I call on your name from a strange land. The king said, if you do that, you'll die. Daniel said, I'd rather die than miss a day of prayer to the most high king, God. Where did that come from? Josiah pushing the blessings of the Lord down onto future generations. It strengthened Daniel. He wasn't just that way by himself. It came from up the line. A kid who became a king, who got in the word deeper and deeper, pushed it onto Daniel. And Daniel was able to stand in the evil day. The Bible says in the last days, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. What you faced, your kids are going to face worse. You want them to stand? You put word on them. You put a love for God on them. You show them how to do it. Are you with me? Not only was there Daniel, there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 17 years after Josiah incited, brought about, implemented these reforms, you've got Shadrach. So here you have kids born. During the reform and some just afterwards, raised in an era of reformation, an era of embracing the word Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar builds a 90-foot statue of himself. Is that crazy or what? Talk about an egomaniac, a megalomaniac. 90-foot tall, covers it in gold and commands that everybody bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story. When the band begins to play, when the second line band starts up and the dance begins, everybody bows the knee. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hear the band. What do they do? They don't bow because you'll have no other gods before me. Where did they get that? They didn't just get it from themselves. There was a culture that was created that honored the word of the living God that brought about reforms in their families that changed their perspective. So in a foreign land, in a strange place, when there's no oversight, no accountability, hardly at all, and it's expected of them to bow the knee, they stand. They're thrown into a fiery furnace. Daniel was put in a lion's den. These three boys are put in a fiery furnace. And you know who showed up? Jesus showed up in the middle of that fiery furnace because I'm telling you, He had plans for them that were different than the expectations of those around them. King Josiah reigned for 31 years and he broke generational curses off of future generations and released the blessing of the Lord onto those future generations. Unless you think he was something incredible and different than you, he was just a human being. He was nothing special about him at all. He just heard, believed, and acted on that faith. And he succeeded where others failed and where everybody thought he should fail. Stand with me right now.
Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today. You are not defined by your past. Say that with me. I am not defined by my past. Come on, say it again. I am not defined by my past. And, we, and, and there's a past. We all have one. But you are not defined by your past. And you're not defined by your family's past. Those in your, in, your, in your lineage, everybody thinks you're going to be like them. Josiah had Manasseh, infamous, and Ammon, infamous. People thought he, like father, like son, it was in Manasseh, it was in Ammon. It's going to be in Josiah. Josiah said, no. Enough is enough. We're going to purge this out of our family. I'm going to exit this highway. God's God. He came to a crossroads. Point of div- divergence. He diverted going over here. I'm not going to go where they think I ought to go. Are you going to, you're going to let the family down. J- you know, Jesus said, unless you love me more than you even love your family, you're not going to get where I'm trying to take you. You've got to divert. No. I'm sorry, Dad. I can't go out and have some drinks with you. I'm sorry, Mom. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to smoke that stuff with you. I'm not going to do it. You think that's crazy. That's the world we live in today. I'm not going there. I'm not going, I'm not going to do it. Who do you think you are? Holier than now. What you trying to say? No. I've just heard a call from heaven, and it's a higher call. I got peace on this side. I'm going to walk in this peace. That moment of clarity, Josiah had a moment of clarity. I'm exiting, and he stuck with it. I'm exiting, and I'm not going back. What was the result? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You think they were grateful for Josiah? I'm going to tell you, in heaven, they're thanking God for Josiah. Thank God for Josiah. He saved us. He saved us. He made the difference. Who is leaning on you? Who is depending on you? If you'll take the exit ramp off the curse you'll find a whole new road of blessing. One you might not have even realized was there. And your kids and your grandkids and those around you will will never have to know the curse that plagued your family. It'll just be one of those stories. Has no emotional ties. It's just, wow, that's terrible. But God has done something new for us. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you so much for the challenge of your word, for a little story tucked away in 2 Kings of a boy who became a king but who changed the destiny of a nation, who eventually affected the birth of the Messiah who would come from Judah. Thank you for 
that amazing story because it communicates to me nobody in this place has gone too far. Nobody in this place comes from a family that's gone too far. You can save to the uttermost. You can save to the guttermost. You can reach into those dark places and pull out incredible things. There's a message of hope tucked away there. And I give you praise for that right now in Jesus' name.